and One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Claudia. This is, it's a pleasure to have you here in the One Emotional Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Mariana. It's an exciting, exciting thing to be here with you. Mm, thank you. There's an amazing woman in front of me. Her name is Claudia Oliver. She's a cultural seamstress. She's a weaver of this strange magic that holds us all together. And you're going to know why in a bit. Her magnetic presence and spirit of collaboration have given rise to innumerable creative partnerships, interwining at the nexus of art, technology, business, ritual, and civic engagement. Through intuitive consultation and incubative idea curation, Claudia facilitates community empowerment and acts as a bridge between good people and a good life. And I've known Claudia since what? Maybe 2013 when we met. 2013 when we did the TEDx together in San Miguel de Allende. Exactly. And we had kind of like the same passion about what art and creativity can bring it to the impact in culture. And that has been quite fascinating because we had the opportunity to create um, different experiences together. And I can't wait to ask you, Claudia, how did this interest in this cultural curation started? Um, it, it, it was literally in a dream. I would dream things up and things would come at me quite you know, it was a vision, I would have a vision, and I felt I needed to act upon it. Uh, for example, uh, and sometimes it's just sort of like, you know, it's like I get a little bit into like, why is that not so? Why is that not so? Mm -hmm. And then I just had the lunacy and bravery to act upon those things. Um, It was also, it was almost as if I received a message from something beyond me and I felt a real need uh, to communicate what that needed to be. And so when it comes to culture, when it comes to bridging people together, I think I have a deep desire to bridge humanity. And I am very uh, lucky that I get to move around in different circles. I like to be on the street. I like to be around the little, you know, empty alleyways. I like to be in the finest of the hoat of the hoat. Um, and I like to be in nature and I like to be in the city. I like to speak in Spanish. Y me encanta en español, aunque en italiano. Mm -hmm. I have a natural inborn sense of us as a global humanity. And I wish to connect us as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's important to understand one another and to move forward together as we create this new world. Of course. So, mm. Something fascinating that I've seen in your work is that you link different peoples with different backgrounds, with different interests, and you bring magic together. It's kind of like you are kind of like the designer between this new birth of festivities, of celebration, of you know cultural creations. So tell me, how do you identify kind of like people's needs and what would what would be good for them? I mean, it, it, I, I have been, um, I've been a DJ and I've been a chef, you know, not really a chef. I, I won a cooking contest here in England. I'm in currently in England. And it's all about having an intuitive perception of what will mix and what will taste great. Mm -hmm. And I think I apply this to culture. 
it would be, you know, it's, it's, um, it's sort of matching people to a good experience or to a good thing. And for me, um, we are all layered experiences and layered people. And so it's basically a combination of people, but also with a harmonizing tone, mm. you know, I'm a Libra. So I naturally understand perhaps uh, how people can maybe work together in a collaborative format in a way that they haven't experienced before. Or I feel also like yourself, Marion, I have been described as being a very effervescent or positive or maybe dynamic person. And I feel that our emotions are infectious. And so if we want to like transmit fear or control, but if you, if you, I guess one of the things I've noticed about me is that I have easy access to joy mm. and, and easy access to a smile. And maybe I never realized it growing up, but maybe, maybe it's kind of a good tonic for the world. And so uh, in proposing uh, different kinds of collaborations, whether they be cultural or, or something else, it's very much about the remix. You know, it's like, great, we have this tradition, like Day of the Dead, for example, which I, I worked a lot along. Um, but how is this? And that tradition has always been a hybridization. That tradition has always been a mixture of the Huasteca and the Toltec and like different traditions. And then we mix that up and then we mix it again and again and again. And I feel culture is a living and breathing entity and it serves the people that it is representing. Um, for me, many years ago, I was, um, you know, when I was doing a series of uh, sacred medicines, I had a very clear message that I was to create the new stories for the new children, because mm -hmm. the past stories were not going to make sense anymore. I was like, what do you mean by that? And it, I'm seeing it come to life. I'm seeing this new need for us to birth uh, new stories, new cultural alternatives that can be of service to humanity at this moment. Of course. And I think storytelling plays a really important role, right? Because, you know, culture was built by stories. By stories. It's really important to see what, what stories are we feeding, you know, these new generations. Exactly. Like aspects, we're actually, you know, helping them celebrate, right? These new generations, kind of like, you know, Gen Z's, also part of millennials, right? One of the characteristics that they uh, describe themselves more is creative and adventurous. And I think we're having this rise of these cultural creatives where, you know, creativity has been linked to, um, to a higher hierarchy, in a sense. They have been prioritizing the value of creativity because maybe we're going to be substituted by robots at some point doing analytical stuff or maybe cooking or maybe cleaning or maybe doing kind of like these kind of jobs. But I'm not sure we're actually going to be substituted in creativity, in our sense of awe and wonder, in our sense of play. And we start creating these celebrations and these festivals where we play, where we celebrate, where we create art, such as music, such as this, you know, cultural proposal that we've seen, for example, in Garvix or in Burning Man, right? We have kind of like these new seeds for this new humanity. Yeah, correct. I mean, creativity is, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, we are taught that, you know, the success, you know, what is the true measure of success? The true measure of success, I think these guideposts need to be sort of recalibrated because if you omit uh, having a moment to yourself for creativity, for fun, for gathering, for nurturance, for self, um, you're kind of losing. 
you know, and it doesn't have to be that you go out to take a life drawing class or that you stop everything, you know, actually for me, I had a really interesting moment yesterday. I, a great example. I was with a very high achieving power woman that, you know, she raised her children single-handedly and she's a very sort of like dynamic, hardcore power woman in London. And she said, you know what? I'm exhausted. I've reached it. I've done it. And all the time I've known her, she's a very long friend of mine. She's been one of the most remarkable artists in sculpture and in painting that I have ever met. And by the way, I have many degrees, but one of them is an art history degree. So when I say it's good, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And she's returned currently to taking instruction and doing her art and doing this. And so I have actually sat for the last two days with her at her house in her studio where she canceled what she was doing, you know, which is like hoity-toity, fly-flying, super important stuff. Mm -hmm. But what we did was we had cups of tea and she, I, I just actually sat for a portrait in bronze, in clay. Mm -hmm. So we sat for two days while she just allowed herself to take my image and, and I was like, and we discussed this. It was like, this is what I want to do with friends. I want to have creative moments. Yeah. I don't want to just sit here with you and go to the pub and have a drink. Sure, fine. But what if we create together? Or things can be especially, you know, as simple as another friend of mine. She's a, a very well-known Mexican artist, Daniela Edberg. She was doing uh, a, a circle of women where you bring clothes and you have creative darning of your of your stuff you know you maybe you put goofy colors on them i don't know how to sew but i know that i want to congregate and spend time and also enjoy the wabi-sabi of it the imperfection of it all it doesn't have to be this work of art it's more about you're in a space of creation of gentleness and i feel through that comes your inner truth and who we need now to be is our authentic selves that can go forth and be this warrior, you know, this, 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 this becoming, you know, or is in Luan, we focus a lot on the creative process because we believe that in the creative process, it's part of, you know, where the magic happens in the sense that our souls yearn for that expression. Our souls yearn for that uh, creativity and that inspiration. We've all felt those moments of genuine inspiration those mm -hmm. flow and it nurtures our soul it, it mm -hmm. kind of like the essence of life we know that mm -hmm. part of that inspiration is not coming directly from us you know it's coming from something higher above mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we like to map a lot about the creative process because we have a lot of emotions we have the comfortable part or the addictive part which could be kind of like this feeling of being inspired or of creating amazing stuff either you're writing you're speaking you are you know you're composing you're singing whatever you're doing right and there's also a lot of blocks that we can see right some of them for, for example the um having a blank page feeling completely stuck feeling fear what if i create something and it's not well received what if it's rejected why yeah is fear of success fear? yeah it's it's a it's a fear fear is such a limiting thing and as you said emotions we all are born and we all live our existence in this extremely human life and it has so many imperfections so much loss so much tragedy 
so much sadness, so much anger, so much injustice. And we are emotional beings. And it makes sense to be outraged and to be angry or to be fearful because it's a very insecure world outside. And oftentimes you have artists that say, you know, I work better when I'm in addicted process or when I'm off my head or when I'm out of my thing. And of course you can create uh, from that place. Absolutely. You can have anger drive you, or you can have different kinds of, you know, powerful emotions be transmuted through art. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, um, as I've grown, and even though I do feel that it, there is value in that, there is also a more gentle and joyous, and in my opinion, sustainable approach, mm -hmm. which is just to embrace where you're at, embrace your fear, hold your anger, move through your anger. I, I have amazing teachers in San Miguel de Allende called Diamond and River Jameson. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the tenets which they have is that emotions are your messengers. And so when I have fear, it just tells me that I need to slow down. I need to just really slow down and analyze the situation and understand what is this fear? Is this real? Is this imagined? And just sitting with yourself and bringing yourself home, as they call it, is so much. If I have anger, it's because this is not right. My boundaries have been crossed. I am not okay with this. And so instead of suppressing it, instead of drinking it, instead of hiding it, instead of like taking it out inappropriately onto somebody else, we acknowledge that we are feeling this emotion. This emotion is a chemical process within our body. And we have the capacity and easy tools. It takes three minutes to shake it the fuck out of our body. It's important to express emotion in a healthy way. That's not going to harm anyone, but is not going to be suppressed within your energy system. Mm -hmm. And this is again, where creativity can help. Can I, can I journal? Can I write? Can I move? Can I dance? Can I shake? What is something and do whatever works, whatever works for you. That's another tenant. Do what works. If it works for you and you're finding that you're just getting this input out, if it's a punching bag, if it's a dance move, whatever it is that's going to release the valve, because what we need, as they call it, is sober and intelligent and present human beings. And we can't be that way if we have all this baggage going on within us. So, you know, the journey is long. It's not like a overnight sensation. It, you know, it's a continual process because we're constantly evolving human beings part of this beautiful chaos called life of course and so yeah. Yeah. it's an invitation but at times it can be challenging and daunting and scary as fuck challenging, of. challenging and daunting because we kind of like the opposite part of our creativity is fear right and fear kind of like paralyzes us paralyzes and instead of you know connecting with that fear we try to to live life as if it would be amazing not to feel fear. But fear is not going to go away because actually fear, no. in the good sense, it's good. It's actually kind of like taking care of you. It's, you know, it's kind of like watching, right. like telling you where to get in, where to avoid, you know, but sometimes mm -hmm. it can get, you know, paralyzing when it's, you know, too much fear and then it creates anxiety, which is the fear of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it, I think we need to change the dialogue instead of not feeling fear, is sitting with the fear feeling it, integrating it, mm -hmm. choosing courage, 
to act upon that fear. Mm -hmm. And building upon what that results in. Exactly. So we need to change the conversation and the focus on how we, 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 it helps for us to use courage in our creative processes. Because every time we create something, a part of our soul comes out, a part of that authenticity. And sometimes we could be scared of who is going to listen to that, who is going to criticize my work, who is going to connect with my message, or who is not going to connect with my message. Or ourselves. Sometimes, you know, I grew up being, I grew up, I grew up being my worst, 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 worst inner critic. Mm -hmm. And so many of us, it's not even the outside that doesn't accept us. It's us that don't accept us. We have to really, really like, you know, a friend, shoot that inner critic. As soon as the inner critic comes in, it's like, sorry, you have no, no, no. It's harsh. And it's taken me particularly a long, long time to just let go of that invented notion of what it means to be a successful human being you know this inner critic can be one of our most limiting um enemies and yet once as you say we get closer to it it allows us to see where is this fear from mm -hmm. you know what what was not nurtured or satiated where where did this come from yes. and whatever it is that your avenue of self-knowledge is I just really recommend that self-knowledge and going into this place instead of hiding it or, you know, drinking it away or going into whatever kind of dysfunctional behavior is, it's really taking life with a lot more tenderness. Mm -hmm. It's really saying, all right, where is this from? You know, let's, let's, let's figure this out and, uh, and be, be, be okay with it. Be forgiving to yourself, you know, because um, According to popular belief, we're kind of not perfect, and that's okay. <laughs> we're we're perfectly imperfect. That's pretty okay. The problem, I think, it comes that you know there's these studies done by Kristen Neff about self compassion, and the data that she has had in her research is pretty outstanding because especially with women, her research shows that uh, women are not self compassionate at all. Like her research is like only eight percent of women have been uh, self-compassionate that's that's outstanding women tend to be more compassionate with other people more mm -hmm. than with themselves mm -hmm. but they did with men and men it happened more or less it was a little bit more balanced in her research that said that you know men and women were more or less um i'm sorry men were more or less the same amount of self-compassion with themselves than with other people right? And it was only kind of like a 10 or 12% that they were more compassionate with uh, themselves than with other people. So there's a, a huge room of opportunity because if we really embody and approach life in these, that we are human and we as humans, you know, make mistakes and we, we're not perfect, kind of like these, you know, wabi-sabi, right? That, that beauty of imperfection that we have, that yeah. we embody, that we live in, and sometimes we treat ourselves and each other as if everything we do should be perfect. We shouldn't mm -hmm. be allowed mistakes. We shouldn't be allowed failure. We shouldn't be allowed. I mean, we're, we're, we're again, returning to this theme of stories, 
you know, the story that we were sold, many of us, depending on, on, on your age group and generation, it was like, you know, it's the story of the happily ever after, mm-hmm. of the, the perfect guy and the perfect household and forever after, and then the child and the happy, and I'll be happy when these, t- these things happen. Yeah. And truly, for a very small percentage of the population, do these things actually kind of happen? You know, when I have perfect this or when I have a perfect hair or when I have. And while it is, I feel within the human nature to go into a constant state of betterment of yourself. Why not? This is a form of compassion to yourself. There is something okay in just this self-acceptance, you know, like being into a place and saying right here at this moment. And this is where gratitude comes in, Mm. you know. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful I'm breathing. I'm really grateful I'm in this place. I'm really grateful to see you, Marion. It's been ages. And it is true. I mean, you'll read it time and time again and all sorts of things, you know, going into this like rampage of appreciation and gratitude. But I do witness, I start my mornings off when I'm back at home in Mexico. This notion of gratitude and what it can do to elevate our receptor mode into the self-compassion it is remarkable at first it was like oh it's a little bit new agey clown you know come down you know you and your crystals and your dream catchers are like well i just gotta tell you i do hang out i gotta say it works gratitude works yes. i just you know you can give me any technology any day and it works, it works. so there are easy tricks that's the thing there's easy life hacks mm-hmm. that can maybe get us there it's just that they're so easy and they're so in front of our face that sometimes we think we need to make it be a lot more complex and complicated to get data entry points, but it's actually kind of not that complicated. <laughs> not that complicated. Sometimes, yeah, we're the ones making our lives complicated, mm-hmm. it, right? We should actually start creating kind of like this gratitude festival, <laughs> this gratitude burning man or this gratitude garbage festival, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to ask you, Clau, tell us about um, your experience. For example, how did you birth all of these amazing projects? What was happening in your creative essence to have the ideas of the Laka Laka Fest, of the uh, TEDx, of Garbex, of your, you know, um, what you've been involved with, with Burning Man and many other cultural amazing projects that you've done? I do get very strong impulses. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and, you know, I describe it quite dramatically, but it's true. It's like, I get a stab in my stomach and it's like, ha, this must happen. I remember very clearly the day that I came home one night, um, 2000, many years ago, uh, I came home one night and I'd come home from a party, you know, I'm quite social. I'd come home a bit tipsy and I was indignant because I felt that there was a disconnect between The people at Burning Man, who I had met really amazing, incredible technology. I love technology. I love innovation. I love cool people. And I'd met these people, but then I'd also had the people from TEDx. And there was this snobbery between the two of them. And I was like, you're the same fucking people. You're just wearing a tutu and you're here at TED, but you're the same people. And I just was at this party thinking about that. I was like, how can they be so hypocritical? How can they just not know that it's the same people? It's the same people. And I remember I came home and I woke up and it was basically a drunk dial. I came home indignant. I woke up uh, and I saw my screen 
in front of my bed. I still had shoes on. I kind of like had come home a little bit tipsy from a party and I filled out the application. I was like, there must be a TEDx at Burning Man. And I called it Black Rock City, not knowing that Black Rock City wasn't easily a thing. And so um, it wasn't really a city. It was actually a, a name, a registered name owned by Burning Man. And weirdly, uh, I went to Edinburgh and uh, I, it weirdly went through. And those two camps had never unified ever. And so even though afterwards they got angry about it, it was really an opportunity to be on this tremendously, one of the more creative nexuses that in human existence, I would say, has been Burning Man. It's got faults. We can talk about them for a very long time. However, it is also a nexus of human uh, uh, achievement and wackiness. And to be able to host these conversations um, was really for me a, a, a moment that I, I have deep gratitude for. When it came to Garbich, Garbich is a place that, again, I feel deeply intuition, like going back. Mm -hmm. um, with Garbich, some friends of mine own the land, their you know, childhood, and, you know, my, young, my younger years were spent in Europe as well, and Barcelona, and so two of my best friends from life, I was just with them last night, um, own this land in Poland. And it was 2012, I was actually 2010, yeah, 2012, that I was in um, Berlin for a TEDx event. And I was like, oh, I'm a little bit done with this one. And, uh, and I had met some guys in Tulum that had done this Papaya Playa project. And so I said, hey, I'm in your town. I'm really curious about what you've done. You know, you've taken on a factory. You say you work in the daytime. At nighttime, you do the parties and you work more. And I'm really curious about how you've created this cultural phenomenon called Bar 25 in Katerholzig. I went to see him that night. We were shooting the breeze and he was talking about how uh, at the time Holzmacht, because they've created this area in Berlin, it was now they were getting kicked out and as many gentrification going on and people wanting to kick them out. I said, I can connect you. And at that moment, Again, it was a lightning bolt. And I said, you will promise me that you're going to come to Hamburg and you're going to meet my friend and you're going to connect with them. And I told my friends, you will promise me that you're going to make me a festival on this land because the land is calling to us and it needs people to dance on top of it. I've never been to the land. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, Had it. but there was some sort of inner conviction within what I was saying. And this is where we, we go into like higher power, channeling it wasn't me talking it was that talking and when we're forced and motivated um and two years later they called me and said we need you to come and see what's happened and lo and behold this beautiful land was danced upon uh and one thing i did find i, I was uh, sent to israel on these reality trips mm -hmm. and it was in israel that i learned the term Tikkun Olam, which means to heal the world. Mm. And right after I was in Israel, I went to Garbage. And when I got there, the I, you know, the Polish partner said, Claudia, we do not, we do not have volunteer. People work. You know, it's like, you know, it doesn't have a volunteer culture. It's not the German and Polish relationship, similar to the Mexican and United States, was one of it's a complicated history. And 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 you know, they weren't really 
there was definitely cultural differences that I noted between them. There was a certain snobbery on both sides and a certain tension. And yet at the end of it, uh, we have this hybridization of cultural people. And by now, an international nexus of people coming to this very beautiful lakeside land and experiencing themselves in this festival. Again, for me, the impetus was that the land itself was calling me because this land itself needed to be danced upon. For me, dance is a prayer. It's a prayer for earth. It's a prayer for ourselves. And so behind the lineup and the outfits and the tickets and all that stuff, I don't really care about that. I care about congregations. I care about us coming together and really following ancestral ritual when we come together. For me, that's what it's about. Who am I? I'm not just this being. I'm a being that's existed for ages and ages. I'm a being that exists in the multidimensional world. And yet, here I am, flesh and blood. So where is, where is this? A festival allows for us to experience ourselves in this way. And I do deeply feel that Tikkun Olam, when it came to this area, which is by now very close to the Ukrainian border, by the way, mm. you know, and I was like, wow, here we are dancing on this. On this and end, when there is one so far away, it's no. a very different situation. Is this right? Is this not right? I think it's all about intention. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all about putting something. I, I was asked to do an opening ceremony. And for me this year, it wasn't a public performance. For me, I didn't need to come there, you know, with my say, I didn't need to do anything in public. What I did was I took my goddaughters. I went to the land. I swam in the lake. I crossed the lake. And I asked her permission. I, I... I, I just did a solitary prayer. I didn't need to be seen. I didn't need to be on top. I didn't need to be on feeds or any of that. It was very private. And I, I felt that was right. You know, I, I, I didn't need to be seen and I didn't need to have this hand and I didn't need to be photographed for social media. It wasn't necessary. I had a private conversation with the earth. And that for me was enough. And it was more about this internal work than this external work, right? And mm -hmm. recognition instead of an external recognition. And, you know, and I get it. You know, I understand the need for social media. I understand the need for being always connected. I understand, you know, how a lot of us are making a new life and making a new content of ourselves. And it's a wonderful opportunity that you can reinvent yourself completely online. I, I understand the wonderful elements that social media can give people. However, I do caution the distraction of spirit. Mm. And I can say that there is a duality between how much we expose ourselves and like what's private, what's not. Mm -hmm. And so it's a dance. I mean, consider it a dance. I, I, I don't disapprove yeah. of it, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like dancing sometimes in a way that it may not necessarily be for anyone else to see but me and God. Dance yes. your own self-expression, mm -hmm. your own language, your own rhythm. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to do with anybody else's rhythm, if it's right or wrong. It's yours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. 
Exacto. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us all your knowledge, your experience, your background. It's been fascinating. Before we close, I'd like to ask you a few questions for you to just answer in one or two words. The first thing that comes to mind, that's always sounds good. Okay, sounds fun. Um, what is art for you? Art is becoming. Mm. Who's your favorite author? Ben Okri, Nigerian author. Mm. Wrote The Famished Road. And Isabel Allende has always been a good one too. Mm. Love that. And advice that changed your life? My teachers, I, they have so much, but one of them that just came up for me now is called Nucleus Effect, meaning you have to nurture yourself first. I am one of these people that constantly thought of others so much that I would almost make myself disappear for the sake of others, for the sake of the public, for the sake of the festival. And I would sort of hide myself and end up extremely shriveled. And so going into a place where you consider yourself a cell, a nucleus, and you have to feed that nucleus because only by having this strong, healthy, juicy nucleus can you then feed the rest of the world that you, you're trying to impact. So nucleus effect is one lesson from Diamond and River Jameson. We first need to nurture ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The best quality in humans. The best quality in humans, there's so many. <laughs> I think connection. Mm -hmm human connection yes um a book that you recommend a book that i recommend mm. i have to come back to you on that one okay what a book that i recommend mm -hmm. what feeds your soul uh, i think just living uh, life feeds my soul. I, you know, my dogs, the sky, the birds, the flower, um, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a little cactus, a big symphony. People feed my soul. I think, I think I'm a very much, um, I see nature and people mm -hmm. and nature feeds my soul. And so I, I have a big soul, I think, because I feed it a lot. I have a, quite a gluttonous soul. My soul likes to eat a lot. <laughs> a lot and you know the morning breeze that wakes me up in the morning before I go to the sunrise and then you know it's just there's the small things feed my soul just as much as big things feed my soul mm, that's an amazing gift. amazing gift oh a book it's a book that came out in the 60s it was this kind of hippie book that I found in my stepfather's or somebody's book it's called hope for the flowers check it out. You can find the PDF online. It's called Hope for the Flowers. And it's about these little caterpillars that were both trying to climb up the thing. But one caterpillar wanted to go up, you know, and the other caterpillar says, I don't want to go up that mound. I don't even know why I'm going up that mound. I'm going to just go this way. And then she just went in and she just like went into a cocoon. And next thing you know, she went, she morphed into a butterfly. And by morphing into the butterfly, she kind of like sailed above all those people trying to go and it's like, it was, it's a beautiful children's like animated story. Mm -hmm. And it is so good for those of you trying to like leap out and find a different way of life. 
Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, the most pressing issue for humanity. Oof. One of the most pressing issues for humanity. I know we have many. I mean, it, it, I would definitely think, you know, the climate crisis is, is definitely prevalent. Um, and there are so many facets of it. I think, you know, in terms of human, who we are, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one. Um, one of many we are definitely in the we are definitely in fabled times i feel that we're in times that are uh have been you know in very many different cultures we're definitely at a moment in history where we are witnessing a tremendous and possibly uh yeah big change now mm -hmm. it's the handing over of, end of an era end of an era totally agree um, if humans can agree on this, you will be very happy. What would that be? Oh, yeah. I think tolerance. For me, it's really important to have people just like accept each other and be okay mm -hmm. with difference, mm -hmm. um, but somehow integrate love and respect mm -hmm. into that. Mm -hmm. um, understand people are in process and just not everyone's for you. So... It's a complex question, that one, but I think that's, that's, that's just what came for me up. That's what came up for me first. Mm -hmm. um, what would you like to scream to the whole world? I think tikkun olam, bitches. <laughs> 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 I love it. And the last question, what is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing? Mm. What have I lived that no one could miss experiencing? Or what I recommend, like what I would recommend for someone to try out yes. all the time? Well, I got this little like new hack for like every morning when I wake up, I live right by nature, but I'm trying it out here. When I first wake up, we, you know, getting back to this gratitude, no matter where you are, because it's scalable anywhere you are, you could go into it. I just say, thank you in advance for all the miracles coming my way. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> And it rocks my world. I'm like, damn, I didn't know it was going to be like that shit. You know, it's one of the miracles are going your way. <laughs> like you, you, Osa, thank you in advance. Like, thanks. They're already coming. Thank you so much. And I started doing that. Uh, I, I think it was during the pandemic where it was like a disciplined every day, every morning, greet the sun, do a little bit of Qigong, dance around a little bit, like do a little morning routine. But that one specifically came at me. And I have to say, it's something that within my little wisdom hack, I definitely recommend that one. Mm, I love that. I love that. I'm going to implement that right away. Amazing, Claudia. Let me know how it goes for you. I just, I'm curious. <laughs> Hi, Claudia. Thank you so much for being here today with us. It's a pleasure talking to you. A pleasure connecting with you again. Uh, see you pleasure in the is mine, sister. And uh, I'm going to have an amazing time next week at Burning Man. I can't wait to see you. Amazing. It's amazing. It's going to be so much fun. So much fun. A nice reunion. Yes. Love you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Claude. 
Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.